You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. So 1 Peter chapter 5. We made it. We are at the end of the book. How many of you guys have been here for all the studies? Hasn't it been good? Timely time to have it, especially with the world that we're living in today. Talking about suffering and just being strong in that time. Um, My name is Stephanie Greer, for those of you guys who do not know me. um, I've been a part of the women's ministry for the past 12 years or so. Every time I teach and I have to like think of an intro, I always think like, wow, I can't believe I've been here for that long. It feels like it's just crazy to me. But it's been a blessing to be a part of the church here at Calvary La Habra. Um, that's my husband in the back doing sound. His name is Dave Greer. <laughs> We've been married three years today. It's our anniversary. <laughs> we have a little boy who has just turned two on the 30th of September. And another little boy on the way. So if I'm catching my breath, you could blame it on him. <laughs> um, but it's been—it's just been a joy to be able to to teach and to be a part of this ministry. And let's get into our study because I always run out of time. So we have been going through the book of First Peter. If this is your first time, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to all the studies on the app or the website or YouTube or Facebook, wherever. Um, Because they have all been super rich, super encouraging, and super um, just exhorting, too. And so um, it's just been a blessing. Lori opened up with chapter one with us, and we talked about how we are on a pilgrimage. And for those of you guys who have the book, Beloved Pilgrim, um, and how that should be our perspective as we're walking through this world and and living our day-to-day life and not to get caught up in the things of the world, but no... We're only here for a while, this is not our home, and let's move forward and go towards the goal of of heaven, which is our home. And then Anita, she taught chapter two, and how many of you guys loved her analogy of feasting and snacking? I'm a snacker too, so I was like, oh, I could totally relate. How snacking, it does ruin your appetite. Dinner comes and you're like, ugh, I'm not even hungry. And how we could get like that with God's word. We get stuck on our little snacks, our verses of the day, or our daily devos or whatever it is. And then we're, we fill ourselves with the little things and we don't get invested and feast on his word, which he calls us and wants us to do. It was a very encouraging message. Talked about the cornerstone. Again, if you haven't heard these, I encourage you guys to go back and listen to them. Kathy shocked us all. I didn't talk about submitting to our wives. <laughs> but she did focus on the last part of the chapter and was just exhorting us to live a life of meekness. And especially now in this day and age, everyone's about themselves, um, but yet we're not called to live that way. And so um, it was a really good study as well. And again, she talked about perspective and spending time with God will put everything into perspective. And then last week we had Lisa and she shared about suffering and how we are going to suffer. Even Jesus himself said, he didn't say, if you suffer, this is what you should do. He said, when you suffer, we will suffer. And I think sometimes I was talking last night with my husband about this. Like we we think of suffering as like we stubbed our toe or like something silly. But we're going to suffer for his sake. And so, yes, we go through hard times and 
tragic things happen, but we're going to suffer for his name's sake, meaning that there's going to be persecution. Like, we will suffer for standing for righteousness, standing for him, and we need to be prepared for that. And she talked about how to be prepared for that. And we have to arm our minds and our hearts with Christ. And how do we do that? Through prayer. And so, again, another really good um, full study just to talk about how to go through those sufferings, how to deal with those sufferings, because they will come. I mean, let's take off our blinders for a second and look at what's going on in our nation and just know that those sufferings will come and we need to be mentally prepared and not in our bubble, really be, have our mindset to go through those sufferings. And so today we're going to jump in to chapter five, the last chapter of the book, and we're going to um, have an exhortation to the elders of the church, which we will relate to all of us, and then also um, an exhortation to submit. So we didn't talk about that to marriage, but we will talk about submitting to the elders, and then we'll have Peter's closing thoughts on this whole book. And so before we do, let's go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Father God, Lord, we just come before you, Lord. We thank you just for your word, Lord, that is just so rich, Lord, that teaches us, Lord, that guides us, that leads us, Lord, that um, gives us step-by-step instructions, Lord, of how you have called us to live in this world, Lord, that we are placed in for this short time, Lord. And I just pray as we finish up this chapter, um, finish up this book, Lord, that we take these nuggets, Lord, and we apply them, Lord, that we don't just hear it and go... Well, that was encouraging, Lord, but we hear it and we put it in our hearts, Lord, and we walk forward in the truths that you have spoken to us, Lord. May you um, just pour your spirit upon this room, upon me, Lord, fill my lungs so that I could speak and that you would just um, be with us tonight. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so an exhortation to the elders. Where's we said in his book, Times of persecution demand that God's people have adequate spiritual leadership. If judgment is to begin at God's house, then that house had better be in order, or it will fall apart. This explains why Peter wrote this special message to the leaders of the church, to encourage them to do their work faithfully. Leaders who run away in times of difficulty are only proving that they are hirelings and not true shepherds. And so, keeping in context, he's not just giving this random exhortation to the elders of the church. He's giving this exhortation after he's already talked about all of these sufferings that they're going through and how to go through them. And so he's ending his letter to, to the elders saying, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Keep pushing forward and, and be the leader that you're called to be. And so um, I just think about our church and I think about um, 2020 when everything shut down and I just I'm so blessed that we our church our pastor our leadership didn't run and didn't hide like they stuck it out and they led the church and that is exactly what leaders are called to do in the church and we need to he's exhorting them don't don't run away look forward and go forward and so um Peter is obviously, he's writing to the elders, which we know elders are church leaders, but I don't want you guys to be like, oh, I'm not a church leader and not listen. I want you guys to think of being an elder to those around you. So whether you're a mom, you're an elder to your little ones, whether you're in ministry, 
you're an elder to whoever you're in ministry with. If you're a part of children's ministry, you're an elder to those little children in the, that you have once a week. If you're a youth leader, you're an elder to those youth leaders, or the, the youth. If you have a niece or a nephew or a um, granddaughter or grandson, you're, you're an elder. You're, an elder is basically someone who is more spiritual than those who are following. And so we are all called to lead those who are following us. And so um, don't think that you have to have a title in the church to, to have this position or to listen to this exhortation. We should all heed it and really pay attention to what um, the Lord has called us to do in this time and in this season. And so he says in verse 1 through 4, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so, again, I want you guys to think of yourself, who are you called to be an elder to as we go through this section and ask yourself these questions. Are you fulfilling the calling that has been placed in your life? And if not, why? And what changes do you need to make to be able to be who the Lord has called us to be? If he's put you in that position, it's for a reason. He has you here tonight because he wants to equip you to take on that calling and, and fulfill it. And so you're not here by coincidence, you're here by divine appointment. And so, um, and like he said at the very beginning, in such a time as this, we need to step up in that role. Whether it's in the church, whether it's in your home, no, no position of being an elder is too little. So. Um, I look at my life right now like I used to be um, really highly involved with the junior high ministry and that's not my season right now. My season is with a two-year-old who doesn't even communicate with me. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I'm, I don't step back and be like, oh, well, I'm just going to not lead because he doesn't even understand me. No, even now in this season and time, the Lord has called me to step up and be who he has called me to be. And so don't think that your position is too small because there is no such thing. He wants to use you in this role. And so Peter is coming at them saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a fellow elder. Like, I, I'm with you. He's not coming at them as an apostle. He's saying, I'm on the same page with you. And so this is like if you had a coworker who's coming at you who is just extremely passionate about the job and wants you to be just as passionate. It's not the boss coming at you. It's someone who's on the same page as you. And so Peter's like, I'm with you guys. Let's all do this together. Let's jump in this together. Let's do what we're called to do because this is so needed in this season of life right now. And he also comes with a history. And so he's speaking to them with experience. And so he's, we talked about it um, last week. He walked with Jesus for three years. He messed up. He went through sufferings, and he experienced God's grace. And so he's not just speaking from what he's read. He's speaking from his heart because he's experienced these things. And so he was called by Jesus himself in John chapter 21 to be exactly this. Jesus told him, after denying him three times, Jesus called him by his grace. He experienced his true grace and said, I want you to feed my lambs, tend to my sheep, and 
and feed my sheep. And so let's experience God's grace right now. So if you haven't been doing this, if you let this down because just life is busy, let's experience God's grace and move forward today being the elder, the mom, the aunt, the grandma, the teacher, the leader, whatever it is, and let's be who he has called us to be in this day and age because it is highly, highly needed. So he says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So again, he's speaking with credentials. What is this exhortation he's giving? He's telling them, shepherd the flock, serving as overseers and being an example. So let's talk about um, shepherding the flock. Verse two, he says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. So when you think of a shepherd, I think personally of someone who is very tender and is willing to guide and be with you and walk with you and direct you and protect you and, and just show you, bring you to a place where you could eat, where you could drink and just comfort you. Um, one who disciplines, there, I have this picture in my head of like, I used to work in a bookstore and the shepherd had a sheep on his shoulders because when the sheep would continue to go the wrong way, they would break their legs and carry them to not to hurt them, but to teach them, this is not good for you. This is where you need to go. And he would carry them through that so that they would learn. And so shepherds are um, tender, but they're also disciplinaries. And so it's, it's a calling. Um, let me see. Some flocks are harder to shepherd than other flocks. Um, my season, like I said, I had a season of doing junior high ministry for many years. And to me, that was way easier than shepherding a toddler. <laughs> People may not agree, but I promise you. To me, teens are like easy. Um, but that season, I'm in a different season now where it's like I constantly have to like go to the Lord and be like, what am I supposed to do with this kid? How am I, like, why do I have to constantly say the same thing over and over and over and over and over? Lord, give me patience with him. Like, and all these different things that when I was doing junior high, it was different reasons why I was going to the Lord. And it was a different cry of my heart. And so, do you know your flock? Do you, do you know what they need? Do you, are you just taking on this role like it's a, a blanket role and everybody needs the same thing? Because every shepherd knows their flock specifically. One of the girls here, um, she did a discipleship program, and I remember her telling me that they had what they called Sheep Week. And basically, everyone was given a sheep, and they had to t take care of that sheep for the whole entire week. And the test came at the end of the week, where they had to call that sheep by name to see if the sheep would come to it. And so, I forgot what she said, I think like maybe one or two out of the whole group, the sheep actually came. But the only way the sheep would come is if you spent time with that sheep, if that sheep knew that you cared, if that sheep knew, felt loved, if it felt protected, and knew like, oh, I can follow this person. Does your flock feel that way about you? Do they feel that they're protected? Do they feel loved? Do they feel comforted? Do they hear your voice and with joy? Or do they hear the voice and go, like, oh, she's coming? What is your flock feeling when they hear your voice? They should feel the love and the joy. We're called to shepherd them and to love them. 
and we are called to know what they need. <clears throat> Proverbs 27, 23 says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. And so again, he's telling us to shepherd the flock, shepherd the ones who are around you, be that elder that is leading with a tender heart, but at the same time, being a disciplinarian that is going to teach them and guide them and make them want to go down the right path. We don't want them to stray away. We don't want them to run away. We want them to feel that they can come to us, but not because we're just going to give them what they want, because we're going to lead them and teach them into the right direction. And so know your flock. It's not a, this is how you're a shepherd. You have to know who your flock is to be that shepherd for that specific flock. Um, the second part of verse 2 says, Serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonor's gain, but eagerly. So we should be serving them. Lisa brought this up last week, where she talked about Christ himself came and he served. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so Christ has set this example of being a servant. And so not only should we be serving them, but we should teach them to serve as well. And so that is lacking, like, beyond far in this world today. Like, there, don't get me started. <laughs> but you can't even go to, like, a restaurant or to Starbucks and get your coffee with people who know how to do their, I mean, they're getting paid for it. It's like, you're not even being a servant, you're like, you're getting paid to do this and they still can't do it, right? Because there's just a lack of servanthood in this world. And so how are they going to serve if we're not teaching them how to serve? And so are we giving them opportunities to serve? I remember when I first started doing um, junior high ministry, I was, I was super young and um, I started like when I was a sophomore, you don't need to do the math to you know how old I am. But I remember like we would go and we would um, go to camps and we would, have our meals and everything, and you're supposed to like clean up your table, and everyone's supposed to do, take their part. But in my mind, I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve them. So I would take everyone's plates, I would wipe them all down, I'd be like, oh yeah, go to free time, I got the table. And I remember um, one of the older leaders had come to me like, you need to make them serve, or you need to make them clean up the table. And I'm like, oh no, 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 I wanna serve them. And she told me, she's like, you're teaching them nothing. And I was like, oh really? <laughs> so I'm like, I thought I was serving. And so sometimes we confuse servanthood with slave. And so we're not to be their slave, we're to serve them though. And so here's an example that I thought of. You might think it's funny, but I think of my son again, Jeremiah. He likes to fling his food on the floor and he likes to just be a toddler. So if he's having peanut butter and jelly for lunch and he flings it against the wall and the jelly piece of bread gets stuck to the wall, I have two options. I could be a servant or I could be his slave. And so here's what it looks like. Servant would be like, Jeremiah, you don't do this because when you do this, look, the jolly gets stuck to the wall and I'm teaching him, this is why you don't do it. And I wipe it down because obviously he can't. So there's, I'm serving him. And then I'm telling him, no, don't do that. A slave would be like, ah, why are you doing this? I grab the rag and I clean it up and I walk away. And so there's a difference. Do you guys see the difference? So we're called to serve. We're not called to be their slave. And I think we could confuse that so easily so many times because um, sometimes it's just easier to get the job done than to teach them 
This is why we need to do what we're doing. And so we have to take that time. Being a shepherd is very time consuming, um, especially if you're with that younger age. We have to serve them, not be their slave, and teach them to serve. So when he gets older, if he's still doing that at like seven or eight, uh-uh. <laughs> then there's going to be like a whack on the bottom or something. But it's because I never taught him. And so they're not going to learn to serve and do those things if we don't teach them those, those, those things. And so, um, again, think of your, the flock that the Lord has before you right now, whether it's your own kids, whether it's grandkids, niece, nephew, leaders um, in the youth or children's ministry. How are you serving them? How are you teaching them to be servants? And how are you teaching them through serving them? Don't be their slaves. We don't need any more slaves. Um, so it says, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So Peter even says, like, don't do it by compulsion. Like, don't, do, don't just do it because you have to do it. Do it willingly. And that's where serving comes in. Serving comes in because you willingly want to help them learn how to do things right. Um, by compulsion, it's just like, I got to get this done, and so you do it. No, you got to do it willingly. Not by force, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So dishonest gain is you're doing this because you want to get something out of it. And so I think of the youth. Um, I have a friend. She married into um, becoming a stepmom of these two kids who were, I think, I don't know. They were under 10 when they got married, but now they're teenagers. And we all know teenagers change things. And so when the, her stepdaughter was younger, they were like BFF. Like they would get their nails done. They would go shopping. Um, she helped her buy like all of her little fun, fancy dresses and all that stuff. But now she's a teenager. She's a senior in high school. She wants to um, date this guy who she knows she shouldn't be dating. Her mom doesn't have any rules. Her dad does have rules, along with my friend. And so she doesn't want to come visit anymore. She doesn't want to come when he has her for the weekend. She's just like, yeah, I'm staying away from you guys because basically you're telling me what to do and I don't want you to tell me what to do. And so my friend's telling me all these things and she's like, we've done this, we've done that. I bend over backwards for her. I drive all the way over here to pick her up. I do this, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm going to stop texting her. She's like, if she wants to not be around, then I'm not going to be around her and just like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what you should do? And she's like, what should I do? And I said, you should do youth ministry for a year. And she's like, what? I said, you need to understand, like, those choices that you're making, those, those things that you're doing to reach out to her are showing her love. And you're doing it not to gain her love back, but you're doing it because this is what the Lord's called you to do in this season and in this time. And so if we're serving or if we're trying to shepherd somebody or bring somebody into like the, the flock and help them keep there, we're not doing it for them to love us back. We're doing it because we care for their soul. And that should be our heart. So he says, don't do it for dishonest gain, but do it eagerly. Do it with a strong desire because you care for that person. And that's hard, right? Like, it is super hard. And the world is going to give up because that's what the world does. They think about themselves. But we as Christians, as believers, as women, are called to not give up. And we're called to continue to pursue, continue to love, even when we are not being loved back. And um, 
we have to do that as a shepherd, as Jesus went and died on the cross before we even chose to love him. He did it for the most wicked person in the world because he still loves them. Even though they don't love him back, he still loves them and he did it for even them. And so we are to be like him. We need to be like the good shepherd. So do not serve to get back, but serve because you care for that person's soul. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So shepherd your flock, know the individual, um, serve your flock, and remember it's a mindset. And our third, um, we're going to go to verse 3, it says, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And so now we get to not only teach them to serve, um, not only do we get to serve them, not only do we get to direct them and guide them and, and lead them, but we get to set the example of how to do those things. And so, um, again, sorry, I keep using junior high because I did it for so many years and that's just what's in my head. But before I was married, um, and I actually still am very passionate about this, very passionate about boyfriend-girlfriend stuff. Like, it's just like a waste of time. And so, at that age, at junior high, come on. And so, um, obviously, that is also the age where girls start to like boys, and boys start to like girls. And so, I wouldn't like be like, really, you have a boyfriend, like talk down on them. I'd just be like, well, what is it about him? And I would ask the really, really hard questions and be like, what is the purpose? What is your mindset? What do you want to get out of this? And I would, I would be hard on them because I'm, I'm seriously very passionate about that, even to this day now. But if I were to be extremely passionate about that to them, but yet every time they saw me at church, I had a different boyfriend or I was talking to a different guy or guys were my best friend, you know, because that's the thing. No, he's like my brother. Really? Um, if I was... If I was a person who I was saying, what are you doing? They'd be like, oh, well, why does she get to? And a lot of times we get the mentality, well, it's because I'm older and I'm more mature and I know how to handle it. They don't see it that way. They see it as what you're doing. They see it as what you're doing is exactly opposite of what you're saying, so why should I listen to what you're saying? And so we need to be examples. And we need, whatever we say and whatever we teach them to do, we need to do ourselves, especially in front of them, and what are they seeing our lives being lived out. First Corinthians 8, 9 says, but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. So what Paul's saying here is, you may have this right, you may be more mature, you may be able to handle it better, but if what you're doing is stumbling those who are around you, then it's not okay. And so we need to make sure that we are being that example. So, um, again, we want to shepherd our flock. We want to herd them and guide them and, and lead them to the right places. We want to serve them, teach them to serve, and teach them through serving. And we want to set that example of being who we are trying to teach them to be. Okay? And so verse 5 tells us why. And when the chief shepherd appears, who's Jesus Christ, you will receive the crown of crown of glory that does not fade away. And so we do this for, for our prize, and our prize is in heaven, where we will be given crowns to give back to the Lord because of he's just too great, and why would we want to keep it for ourselves? And so I don't know about you guys, but when I play a game, I play to win. <laughs> and so um, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27 says, 
Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in, which is temperate in all things. No, sorry, my eyes are going bad. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run, thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats at the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Thus when I have preached to others, I myself shall become disqualified. And so we are doing this because there's a prize. And we are living in this life as a race. And this race is something that we should desire to win. And so, like I said, I play games to win. I don't play to mess around. And so if you played a game with me, you probably know this. And so even this last weekend, we were at a baby shower. And the first game was like, you had to like write names of every letter of the alphabet. And I'm like, okay, I'm like in my head thinking. Everyone's talking, I'm like, oh no, I got my names. And so I didn't win, sadly, but I played to win, and I, but it's okay. The second game was you had to draw a baby with your eyes closed. Now, I can't draw a stick person with my eyes open. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to play this game. You're not going to play this game? No. I'm like, I can't draw with my eyes open. Why would I draw with my eyes closed? Like, that's weird. And I'm like, just play. Be a good sport. I'm like, I'm not going to play because I know I'm going to lose. And so it's like, I play to win. I don't play just to have fun. I play to win. And so that is a mindset we should have in our Christian walk. We are a Christian. We follow the Lord. We've surrendered our life to him because we want to win that prize. And it's biblical. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Run to win. You don't run this race to avoid hell. You don't run this race to get something from the Lord. You run this race to win. And if you want to win, you have to follow the rules. And this is one of the rules that he's given us. This is one of the guidelines that he's given us. Shepherd the flock that God has put in front of you. If we do these things, you will get this prize. And so if you want the prize, you have to do these things. We can't just be hearers of the word. We need to be doers. Run to win. And don't play games just for fun. Play to win. <laughs> that could be part of your practice spiritually. <laughs> um, but anyways, so run in such a way to win. This is his exhortation. So we want, he wants us to shepherd them. He wants us to serve them. And he wants us to be an example to them so we can get this prize. And so our second point we're going to talk about is submitting. So that's not a bad word. It's a good word. And I have many stories about this, but I have to contain myself. Um, but submission, it's for all of us. It's not just for wives submitting to your husbands. We're all called to submit. And here he's specifically talking about submitting to the um, leadership within your life. And so, again, looking at perspective, this whole chapter he's talking about being in a time of suffering, a time of trials, a time of hardship, but yet we're given leaders in our lives to lead us and to guide us, and now we are to submit to them as well. So not only may you be a leader in some aspects, but yet you should also be submitting to some sort of leadership in your life. And so whether... Um, Basically, you should be allowing the church leadership to speak into your life and being submissive to that because it's really a protection. A lot of times, um, the world has taught us that you do you and live your own life and 
do what makes you feel great, but the Bible talks completely opposite. We're to submit to one another, and he's given us his authority for protection. What happened to Eve when she went out of being submitting to her husband? He wasn't, she went out of this umbrella, and Satan got to her. And so that's how Satan wants to get to us. So we can't leave this umbrella of protection of submission. People are in our lives for a reason, and we need to be able to submit to that. So what does submitting look like? And so again, this is going to pertain to all of us. Kathy would have only pertained to wives, but we're going to pertain to all of us tonight. And so we're going to talk about submission. But I want you just to real quick think, because obedience, I'm sorry, I'm going ahead of myself. I like what Kathy said. She just say, if you can't submit to your husband, that shows you're not submitting to God. And so if you can't submit to church leadership or authority and leadership that you're a part of, then that's showing that you're not submitting to God because he's called us to submit to that. He's put that person in that role for a reason. And whether you agree or don't agree, you're under that person and he's called you to submit to them. And so if you could submit to the Lord, you should be able to submit to that person as well. Um, submission is a heart issue. So a lot of times we think like, well, I did what they said. That's obedience. And so obedience is doing what you're told to do. Submitting is doing it with the right heart and being okay with what you're being asked to do. And so um, I want you guys to think of the people in your head right now who, you, who are over you. And so even, not even just in leadership right now, but if you're married, if you live with your parents, if you are in leadership, um, if you're working, your boss, and just think, do I respect this person? And do I have a love for this person? Because if your answer is no to either of those, that means you're not submitted to that person. You're just being obedient to that person. And so, again, all of these matters are issues with the heart because we could do everything on the outside correctly, but if our heart is not right, that's when Satan gets in. And so that's why the Lord's calling us to submit. He's not calling us to obey. He's calling us to submit because he knows that it's the issue with the heart. Is our heart right with this person who's over us? Do we respect them? Do we have a love for them? Doesn't mean we have to agree with them. Doesn't mean that we have the same ideas. Imagine if we all had the same ideas. Like Life would be like, we'd be robots, right? But we all have different ideas. We all have different personalities. We all have different ways we want to do things. But that doesn't mean that it's okay to, dis or to get all resentful towards the person over you. We need to make sure that our heart is respectful towards them and that we have a love for them. And so I always make the junior hires do this. I want you to write their names down. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds to really think about it and ask the Lord to show you, do I really respect this person? Do I really love this person? So go ahead. Write their name down. 30 seconds. Okay. 30 seconds are up. So as we go through this section, I want you, if you put no to either one of those answers, I want you to just start praying right now and asking the Lord to change your heart towards this person. Change your heart towards the ministry you're in, the person that, who's over you, whatever it is that he needs to work through. Because if this is in your heart, then it's going to take the Lord to help you clean it up. None of us can because none of us see your heart. 
on the outside, you'd be like, oh, yeah, she's a total submissive person. But the Lord's like, no, she is not. You don't know her heart. So only the Lord knows your heart. And that's why I, I want just to take this portion very seriously. So verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, we're all young tonight, <laughs> submit yourselves to your elders, yes, all of you. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So what does a submissive person look like? They look humble, and they're someone who casts their cares upon to the Lord. And so, humble. In order to be submissive, you have to be humble. Because I guarantee you, especially as women, if the authority over you is a man, you think like night and day. <laughs> and it's just, sometimes it could be pretty difficult. Um, because you don't see the same, you don't see things the same way. And so, but yet we're called to submit to them. And we're called to honor them. We're called to um, go under them and to let them lead. And so, because you have to put your agenda aside, because you have to put your desires aside, because you have to put your amazing great ideas aside, you have to be, have a humble heart. And so, I'm going to tell you a story. When, of course, I was in junior high ministry. <laughs> and I, there is this one leader, this is years ago. I was in my mid-20s. Well, not that many years ago. Um, <laughs> And he was new, he, was, he just came in, he started leading the, the ministry, and I told him, and I had done ministry, junior high ministry for years before this, and every year I did a cookie exchange with the girls during Christmas, because isn't that fun? And so I, we had like a meeting, this is what um, we're gonna do for the holidays, and I said, oh yeah, I'm gonna do a cookie exchange. He's like, you're gonna do a cookie exchange? I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you asking me or are you telling me? I'm all. I'm asking you. And then he's like, I want you to write up a proposal. I'm all, a proposal? It's a cookie exchange. He's like, what's your intent? What's your vision? And how is this going to spiritually benefit them? I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, fine. So then I go home and I'm telling one of my friends and I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write him a report. So I literally wrote him a 10-page report. I put it in a report folder. I had everything, I put like a heading and double space, 12 font, times Roman, whatever. And I came in the next Sunday and he was setting up the classroom and I walked in and I went, there's my proposal. And he's all, he just looked at it and he started laughing. He's like, what is this? I'm like, there's a title page. Why I wanna have a cookie exchange? And he's like, okay. And then, that, then we had service and class and everything and he's all, so, you can have the cookie exchange. I'm like, thank you. And then afterwards, he's all, but I want you to read this book. And he gave me this book that took me probably five years to read. <laughs> and it's called Touching Godliness Through Submission. And if you have read that book, you know. But if you haven't read that book, you should. And it really just, like, it cut me to the core. And I, that was, like, the first Time, the Lord was like, you do not have a submissive bone in your body. And so I, that was like the beginning of my stages of learning what true submission is. And it was very, very humbling. And though that I worked with him for, I want to say, two or three years. And 
the Lord used him so much to humble me and show me what true submission was because we didn't agree on anything. And I'm like, dude, I've been doing this for years. Come on. And every week it was something. And every week the Lord was showing me like, it's not him, it's you. You need to learn to submit. And it's true because if you could work under somebody who is completely opposite of you, completely wants to go a different direction than you, has a different vision, and you're able to come alongside that and help, you see the benefits and you see how the Lord uses that. But if you're fighting that, the kids see that, the, the people you're serving see that, and it just looks ugly. And half the time, everybody sees it but you. And so that was, I am like so grateful for that season of my life. And people could be like, man, that must have been tough for you. It was tough, but it was so, 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 so good for me because the Lord taught me so much about what true submission is and how to submit and how to let go of things that I thought I knew were better. And so, again, that book is Touching Godliness by Submission. Um, I think we actually have it at the resource center. Um, I was like buying it for everybody. I bought it like in a huge stack of 25. I'm like, you get one, you get one, you get one. Everybody gets a book. Um, but tr honestly, think about that person. And if, you, if your visions are completely opposite, you need to either choose to decide to submit to their vision or to step away because the Lord is not going to use you. And it's, it's just going to cause strife in that ministry if you can't submit to what the Lord the person that the Lord put in that position and the vision that the Lord gave that person. It's not up to us to give them the vision. The Lord is the one who gives them the vision. And we need to come alongside that and to submit to that. Especially in this day and age. Why? Because the world is looking at us. And if we can't get it together, if we can't work together as one, what are we going to conquer in this world? Nothing. It's just going to conquer strife. And so we need to be able to submit. James 4, 6 and 7 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If that's your attitude towards the leadership in your life right now, that you want to go your way instead of their way, know that Satan is using that to tear apart that ministry. And God wants to build that ministry, especially in this day and age. And so we need to be cautious. We need to be careful. And we need to resist the devil so he will flee, so that we can come alongside the leadership and the Lord can do what he desires so much to do in our church in this day and age. So if you're hearing from the Lord, let him mold you into who he wants you to be. Repent and ask him to help you, because he will. Which brings us to our next part. Cast your cares to the Lord. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So how many of us have quoted that before, that verse before? Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. All of us, right? But have you done it in the context of submission? So when we are having that issue with somebody, we don't agree with that leadership above us, when we think that they're completely off and are they even hearing from the Lord, it's not our job to go and tell them or to tell everybody else that we're working with or to cause all this division amongst ourselves. It's our job to cast it to the Lord because he cares. He cares for you, he cares for me, and he cares for the sheep in that fold that are being tended to. 
And so we need to humble ourselves, cast our cares upon him, so that he can lift us up. And then you're going to see that he's going to do that. And it's, it's just, it's amazing when we come to the realization of what, how beautiful submission is and how it's going to bless the church. It's going to bless us. Because we're not going to be walking around with like, we see the person like, oh, now what do they want me to do? We're going to walk around with joy that the Lord has given us, and we're going to be okay with them asking us to do stuff. We're going to be okay with doing things that we think are off the wall, because they're like, that's not on us. It's on them. They answer the Lord. We don't. And so we're just going to follow along suit and, and do it. Obviously, unless they're asking you to go against God's word, but that's really the case. Really the case, they're asking us to do something against our will, and that's the problem that we need to Make sure that we're, okay. we're not doing that. So um, a submissive person is humble, and a submissive person is one who is going to cast their cares upon the Lord and not cause strife among the ministry and to others, letting everybody know how you feel about that leader. So we need to be cautious of that. I am running out of time. Okay, so Peter's closing thoughts. Let's get into this real quick, and then we're going to close in a little bit. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. He gives us two farewells. He goes on by saying, By Silvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is a true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And again, in context of what he's writing about, in our times of suffering, in our times of hardship, in our times of trial, he's telling us, to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking to who he may devour. And so, do you have a sober mind? Are you thinking clearly? We have so many things coming at us. Like, it's crazy. Are you allowing those things from Instagram, from Facebook, from the election, from these constant press releases, from Biden's speeches, from all these different things, are you allowing those to cloud your brain so that you're not thinking soberly? He's saying, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's not just going like, la, da, 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 oh, look, I found somebody, and devouring. He's seeking, like he's looking. Have you guys, I had a friend, um, she lost her wedding ring. She's not just like, oh, I wonder if it's going to pop up one day. No, she's seeking to find it because she, she desires to have it back. And that is how Satan is. He desires to take down everyone who is following Christ. So, yes, we read the end of the book. And yes, Christ wins. And yes, he's on our side. But we need to be sober-minded. We need to be vigilant. We need to be aware that there is an enemy after us who wants to take us down and we need to be able to avoid that. And so we need to be sober-minded. Is your life well-balanced? Don't let these things into the world distract you. Stay focused. Stay focused on your prize. Remember, we are running to win. We want this crown. Focus. 
Um, resist him, and verses 9 through 11, I'm not going to read it again, but Peter is speaking from experience again, and he's telling us sufferings will come. He doesn't say after, or he doesn't say if or when. He says they will come. But why do they come? Because God wants to grow us, and he wants to perfect us. And through our sufferings, we talked about this last week, um, he says in, in verse 10, he says, after you have suffered, you'll be perfected, established, strengthened, and he will settle you by his grace. And so um, David Guzik, he says, it is the glory of purified character that we receive from going through these sufferings. And it is the glory of perfected humanity. It is the glory of complete victory. It is the glory of being honored by a king. It is the glory of reflecting the glory of God. And it is the glory of the immediate constant presence of God. And it is the glory of the enjoyment of God himself. We get to experience those things when we suffer for him. And so keep those things in mind. Be vigilant. Don't lose heart. Stand firm in, in the calling that God has given you and the season that you're in. Be that elder. Be that person who's going to be shepherd, who's going to discipline, who's going to serve, who's going to teach through serving, who's going to teach to serve, who's going to set the example so that they know what it looks like. And then make sure you, ha you know your flock. Make sure that we are being submissive to those over us. Setting that example to the world. Setting that example to the next generation because we're losing it, ladies, and we can't. We cannot lose this. The Lord wants to do so much with us in this day and age. And are we allowing him? Or are we just enjoying our Sunday service, brunch after? Or are we being active, proactive in what he's called us to do? We need to be proactive, okay? So let's pray and we could get into our groups. Lord, we thank you just for your word, Lord. We thank you for the exhortations that you give us, Lord, to put us back in line with who you've asked us to be, Lord. And I, I thank you, Lord, just for... Um, just giving me the time, Lord, just to be able to go through this, Lord, and even prick my own heart in different areas where I need to change in my life, Lord. I just pray that you would strengthen us, Lord, for this battle that we're in. Open our eyes, Lord, just to see a glimpse of the spiritual warfare that's going on, Lord, that we would be even more aware of how our actions and how our words affect, um, affect how we live our lives, Lord, affect those around us, Lord. May we see just a glimpse of the enemy who's trying to take down every time we turn around, Lord, that we would just just give us a glimpse, Lord, to make us more serious with our walk with you, Lord, with our desire to follow you, Lord, with our desire to be passionate about bringing others to know you, Lord, with our desire to teach the next generation, to teach those under us, Lord, to raise up our children, to be warriors for you, Lord. Give us that um, just earnest desire to be who you have called us to be, Lord. We, we love you, Lord. We praise you. We pray for our group time right now, Lord, that you would just bless it and that um, you would be with us for the remainder of the night. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hello, online family. We are here, Pranila and Dri, to talk about um, the lesson that we just learned. So we're just going to have a little panel. Um, hope you enjoy it. But how are you ladies doing? Good. Good? So... Speaking about just being an elder or um, someone of leadership in, I know you work with children with um, music stuff and you have kids of your own and extra kids right now. Um, what is the Lord showing you guys? What are some things that 
you've seen have been a blessing or you've seen been difficult because it is very difficult sometimes. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. <laughs> well, like you said, I have uh, kids of my own and we have the privilege to um, care temporarily for our niece and nephew. And um, it's been a challenge because um, I'm being obedient on the outside, but I don't feel like I'm being submissive. I, I got a little heart check sitting out there as you were talking. Um, but it's been a challenge because um, the shepherding of the, and you talking about, um, I didn't realize, you know, as we're shepherding and we're constantly repeating all that, right? Like I've done that with my kids and they kind of, they know our routine, they know how to do certain things. And with these two kids that are coming to our home, it's exhausting. And I'm um, leaning on my own strength, and then I'm having a hard time to be tender-hearted. So I'm not being that shepherd. So I got a little, feel convicted over there. <laughs> like I want to go home, just go talk to the Lord right now. But um, but yes, but it's it's exhausting. But and then I think about how the Lord is with us. Like how many times does the Lord have to redirect me and that so but don't you love like even just seeing Peter's the one who's telling us this yeah and Peter's the one who failed and yet in God's grace he said it's okay mm -hmm. you repent and you move forward mm -hmm. and he wants to work with a tender heart and so mm -hmm. when he does those things he convicts us it's like okay it's he's convicted us because he wants us to go closer to him and so it's not to condemn, it's mm -hmm. to bring you to a place to where he can mold and, and make you who he desires you to be. And so mm -hmm. conviction, is it's good. Yeah, and, so. and I think the cool thing is too is that my kids are seeing the frustration in me. So they're, they're watching me repent over and over and over. And I'm like, okay, Lord, if that's what... Because growing up in the church, I didn't grow up in the church, but growing up in the church, I don't feel like there's... Um, well, I guess there is out in the world, you know, they're mm -hmm. out he they're in here. They don't get exposed to a lot. Um, but I'm like, okay, Lord, if it's one thing that I'm showing my kids, it's running back to you, running back to you and asking for that forgiveness and that strength to continue to shepherd these kids for however long we have them in our home. And to him, it's like, he doesn't like, again, Dree, because what happens? Mm -hmm. He forgives us and forgets. Mm -hmm. So to him, it's like the first time every single time. Mm -hmm. Like that's like so cool to me. Yeah, yeah. like what so. are you talking about? <laughs> no. Exactly, and in that, I, I only read a little part of the book, but Christy was giving that example of when we cast our cares, it's like that uphill, um, we're walking uphill and we're pushing something and then it keeps rolling back and we're pushing it. Mm -hmm. And soon we're just like, you know, all of us just mm -hmm. with all of, are, she talked about spiritual muscles mm. of just this constantly, like I'm casting my cares on you, Lord. I'm casting the burdens that keep like falling back on me. So mm. um, that I teach music to kids um, all day. <laughs> um, I love teaching the older kids and I'm realizing this now. I'm like, you, you speak and it's like conviction, conviction. <laughs> it, I like those older kids because they don't put up the fight with with me and things I just tell them what to do and they go okay okay and then the little kids always ask why how come my fingers my fingers hurt I don't want to do this and I'm just sitting there like 30 minutes is going by like so so slow but 
like that that is who the Lord wants me to minister to during the week you know um, to I love how you gave the difference between service and then slavery because um, I I didn't see the difference I don't see the difference when I'm going and and I just have my routine and I just I get in the zone of okay we got to get this 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 done we have X amount of minutes and my job is to get you from here to here I don't always take into consideration that I'm doing the work for them that I'm I'm just like fed up and I don't want to have to teach mm-hmm. and you know ministry is not it's not separate you know and that's something that have I've seen through the many years of leading worship and being involved in doing that it's it's not um, just you know Sunday Wednesday it's life You're, you don't ever graduate from where the Lord calls you from mm-hmm. um, you don't you don't get to sit back and like okay I get to pass my baton now. It's like, it's, it's, it gets harder and harder as you get older now. I look back and, you know, you were my junior high leader. You made all those examples and you would pour into me. And then as I matured in my walk with the Lord, then I was, I'm able to pour into this next generation. And now I'm seeing these girls all graduate and they're pouring into. So it's just amazing how the Lord honors that obedience of doing exactly, you know, what he's called you to do. So it is hard. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes seasons are more exhausting than others. Like sometimes we're yeah. just benefiting from the fruit. Benefit, benefit, benefit. We're like, oh, this is amazing. And then like, like, okay, she's a little too comfortable now. So let me bring her back to another place to where she needs to come back to me. Mm-hmm. And he brings us in those places so that we do come to him. Like he desires for us to come to him. If life was easy, then we wouldn't want to draw closer to him. Mm-hmm. We'd be like, oh, yeah, I got this. Like, yeah. You made it easy, Lord. He's like, okay, then let me make it a little bit harder so you you do need me because we mm-hmm. we do we need him. Mm-hmm. But submission. <laughs> how have you guys seen that benefit in your life, or how is it a struggle in your life? I shared my examples. <laughs> yeah. um, I have all my notes on here because I I'm like, yeah, I can wing it. This is nothing, but. Speaking in front of people is another whole other thing. If I was doing worship right now, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. Um, but um, yeah, I think about how um, a few years ago there was this instance where I was asked to be involved in this um, event that was happening, asked to participate and play a big role in this. And um, I'm not one for confrontation at all. I will just like okay let it go and I'll let it slide and that's not always a good thing at all especially if there's something wrong that needs to be changed um thank god I didn't do that with this um I ran to somebody who's been pouring into me one of the elders and I was just like look I don't know what to do right now I don't want to hurt this person's feelings because I know if I speak out um the truth in love I know this person isn't going to receive so I would rather just like not do anything at all just for the mm-hmm. sake of like me and saving this relationship and um but um we, we talked and prayed and i got godly wisdom and advice and we were on the same page about that and then i had to go and have a hard conversation where you know unfortunately the relationship was severed um but i'm so i look back on that season and i can truly say thank you lord for 
this the opportunity that you gave me because I know if I would have stuck with this, participated in in this, then you know I don't know what life would look like. Not to just not make it sound so dramatic, but I I it could have played out very differently. And um, but you know when the Lord when you have that tug. Um, answering that that call that the Lord tugs on your heart and going I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just brush this under the table it says in Proverbs like to to desire that wisdom and then in the few verses before it says God is the giver of all wisdom so it's desiring that wisdom because the Lord gives that and so it's like these these steps of um, you know when you're close to the Lord it's it's hard it's like the harder it gets too um, but I'm thankful that, you know, I was able to, you know, run to those who are above me and like, what do I do? Because I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And have those godly counselors like come alongside. And then do even though one, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I didn't mention, but it's like submission, it, it causes cause you to be humble. Mm-hmm. And you're either humble walking through it or you have to humble yourself and apologize to that leader because you weren't submissive to them. And I've had many of those experiences too, but it's it's humbling. And it's like, cause the Lord wants to take the pride out. Like right. everything in our, in our walk with the Lord is about taking, removing self to put more of Him. And submission plays a huge role in, in that. So, mm-hmm. what about you? Well, <laughs> Well, I think um, because I'm in this this season right now, and I'm going like you were talking about Jeremiah. I'm talking about our niece and nephew in their home. Um, I didn't want to have them in our home, and um, not because I didn't care for them, but because it was going to mess up my routine and what I had going on. And so it took a while for me to um, to be submissive to my husband and. Um, we did have some elders, some leadership come and talk and with us and walk alongside us. And so um, I think I'm still wrestling with it, <laughs> but I'm seeing that when I, the days that I am submissive in my heart, I have God's peace in the midst of literally chaos in my home, MS and everything. So. Isn't it crazy? Like <laughs> when our heart is aligned with what God calls us it's like there's so much peace mm-hmm. and it's like why do we fight so much with our flesh when we've experienced that peace it's mm-hmm. like the enemy is just like evil mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like so crafty to get us to like let our flesh win when we already know in our heart of hearts like that's like that's going to take us down the wrong path and we're going to be miserable when we let our flesh win and it's like Lord help us help us to be more like you mm-hmm. And I think that's what Peter is saying in this book. It's like, hey, if we if we can't live for him when things are going great, when we're in a place of suffering, it's going to be that much harder. And so these exhortations are coming when suffering is in place. And so it's like, okay, Lord, I I like I I do I like I pray for like just a glimpse of spiritual eyes to see because mm-hmm. I think that would boost all of us up. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when we hear about things like oh. Like, I think we live, like, even in the harbor alone, like, Orange County, 
in a bubble of what's going on in the world, the real world. Like we're not experiencing things that you're seeing on TV. I'm like, what the heck? Like, and we could so easily just shut it off. But when we get a glimpse of these truths, it's like, it gives us like an urgency to do what we're called to do. And so um, we got 21 seconds. <laughs> so um, thank you ladies just for joining us and sharing from your heart and um, everyone online just praying for you and hoping that um, the Lord's speaking to you and moving in you and may we all just rise up as Christians and believers and make a stand for who the Lord has called us to be so um, that's the end of our woman session we're we'll probably start up again I don't know after the new year but we will see you guys when we do have a good blessed day